0: Listeners, welcome to today's radio programme. I'm De Konomo and I'm very happy to be back with you to present the New Zealand Greek Metropolis's Christian Orthodox Radio Programme on Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM. This is with the blessing of our Archbishop Kyrios Gerios Meron. We hope you'll find today's program both interesting and spiritually enlightening, with its mix of readings and explanations from the Holy Gospel, question for the priest, readings from spiritual books, some discussion on the lives of the saints, hymns and notices. Now for a few words of introduction in Greek. Agapitia Akroates Herete Σα ευχαριστούμε που είστε συντονισμένοι μαζί μα, για ακόμη μία φορά, στην εκπομπή της Ιρεάς Μητροπόλεως Νέας Ιλανδίας στο Wellington's Exis Radio 106,1 FM, η οποία γίνεται με την ευλογία του Μητροπολίτου μας, κύριος κύριος Μύρονας. Ελπίζουμε να σα έχουμε μαζί μας καθ' όλη την διάρκεια της εκπομπής μας, από την οποία έχουμε όλοι μας να οφιλεθούμε πνευματικά. Και τώρα ας ξεκινήσουμε το πρόγραμμά μας με την προσευχή Βασιλέφου Φουράνιε. Βασιλέ Φουράνιε παράκλητε το πνεύμα της αληθείας, ο πάνταχού παρών και τα πάντα πληρών, ο θησαυρός των αγαθών και ζωής χορηγός, έλθε και σκήνωσον εν ημίν και καθάρισον ημάς από πάσης κυλίδος και σώσον αγαθέτας ψυχάς ημών o heavenly king comforter the spirit of truth who art everywhere present and fillest all things treasury of good things and giver of life come and dwell in us and cleanse us from all impurities and save our souls o gracious one Let's spend some time now talking about important church events, as well as the lives of some of the church's athletes whom we commemorate either today or will do so during the week to come. Today is the Sunday of St. Gregory Palamas and I will speak about this shortly. I will also speak about the Annunciation of the Most Holy Theodokos, which we will celebrate God willing on the 25th. As we've said previously, the reason we read and talk about important church events and our saints is so that we learn from them and apply these learnings to our everyday lives, essentially to give us the courage and strength to face all our trials and tribulations with faith, patience and love. Let's start with St. Gregory Balamas. St. Gregory of Balamasa's feast day is celebrated on 14 November but in addition a further commemoration has been held since the 14th century on the second Sunday of Great Lent. Why though? Quite simply to remind us of the triumph of orthodoxy saint gregory was born in constantinople in 1296 his father was a prominent dignitary at the court of emperor andronicus but he died when gregory was a young boy and so the emperor raised and educated him A gifted child, Gregory mastered all his academic subjects, and so the emperor hoped that he would devote himself to government work, but he, at the age of twenty, withdrew to Mount Athos and became a novice and then a monk at Vatopedi Monastery under the guidance of Elder Saint Nicodemus. A year later, the Holy Evangelist John the Theologian appeared to him in a vision and promised him his spiritual protection. Gregory's mother and sisters also became monastics at this time. After Elder Nicodemus's repose, St. Gregory spent eight years under the guidance of another elder and after his repose transferred to the the Lavra of St. Athanasios where he served in the trapeza and then became a church chanter. Three years later, striving for a greater degree of spiritual perfection, he went to the small Skete of Glossia, where he learnt the method of unceasing mental prayer, or esychasm. In 1326, because of the threat of Turkish invasions, he and the other monks went to Thessaloniki, where he was ordained a priest. Here he combined his priestly duties with the life of a hermit, spending five days in silence and prayer, and only on Saturday and Sunday did he celebrate divine services and preach sermons to his people. Sometime later he found a place suitable for solitary life and soon gathered a small community of solitary monks and guided them for five years in the year thirteen thirty one he withdrew to mount athos and lived in solitude at the Skete of st sava but in thirteen thirty three was appointed abbot of another monastery three years later however he returned to st sava where he devoted himself to theological works during that time, though, events took place in the life of the Church, which put St. Gregory amongst the most significant universal defenders of orthodoxy, and he was recognised as a teacher of esychism. These events were triggered by a well-educated monk, Varlam, who was the author of treatises on logic and astronomy and a skilled orator. Vadalam stated that it was impossible to know the essence of God and subsequently declared mental prayer a heretical error. In doing so, Vadalam entered into disputes with monks and attempted to demonstrate the created material nature of the light of Mount Tabor. He ridiculed the teaching of the monks about the methods of prayer and the uncreated light seen by the hesychasts saint gregory at the request of the athenite monks replied initially with verbal rebukes but seeing the futility of this put his theological arguments in writing around the year 1340 the athenite ascetics, with the assistance of the saint compiled a general response to the attacks of Varlaam. at the constantinople council of 1341 saint gregory debated with Varlaam. Focusing on the nature of the light of Mount Tabor and the council accepted St. Gregory's position. That being that God, unapproachable in his essence, reveals himself through his energies which are directed towards the world and are able to be perceived like the light of Tabor which are neither material nor created. The teachings of Varlam were condemned a heresy and he was anathematized and fled to Calabria but the dispute between the palamites and the Vadalamites was far from over Vadalam's disciple and bulgarian monk Agivinos wrote a series of tracts in which he declared st gregory and the athenite monks guilty of causing church disorders st gregory in turn wrote a detailed refutation of agidinos's errors The patriarch, however, supported Agilinos and called St. Gregory the cause of all disorders and disturbances in the church and had him imprisoned for four years. A new patriarch had St. Gregory released, however, and made him Archbishop of Thessaloniki. Subsequently, the Council of Blachernae upheld the orthodoxy of Gregory's teachings, but the people of Thessaloniki did not immediately accept him, and he was compelled to live in different places. St. Gregory performed many miracles in the three years before his death, healing many sick people. On the eve of his repose in thirteen fifty nine, Saint John Chrysostom appeared to him in a vision saying To the heights, to the heights, Saint Gregory's holy relics are kept in the cathedral of Thessaloniki.
1: Ecclesia Μόνα στο
0: about the feast of the annunciation feast of the annunciation is one of the earliest christian feasts and was already being celebrated in the fourth century the greek and slavonic names for the feast translates to good tidings this of course refers to the incarnation of the son of god and the salvation he brings the background of the annunciation is found in the gospel of saint luke The troparion for this event describes this as the beginning of our salvation and the revelation of the eternal mystery, for on this day the Son of God became the Son of Man. There are two main components to the Annunciation, the message itself and the response of the Holy Theotokos. The message fulfills God's promise to send a Redeemer as the Archangel Gabriel was sent to Nazareth, and there he spoke to the undefiled Virgin who was betrothed to St. Joseph. Hail, thou who art highly favoured, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall rule over the house of Jacob for ever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. In contrast to Eve, who was readily deceived by the serpent, the Theotokos did not immediately accept the angel's message. In her humility, she did not think she was deserving of such words, but was actually troubled by them. She did not disbelieve the words, but could not understand how they would be fulfilled, for they spoke of something which was beyond nature. Then she replied to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. One of the lessons for us from this is yet another confirmation of how important faith in accepting God's will is, and how by doing so things always work out for the best. Here we see God's will of salvation for all men, but God did not impose this. Rather, it was put to the Thaldokos, and she accepted it with faith through her own free will. She could have refused, but instead accepted Scott's will and chose to cooperate without complaint or further questions. As well as the religious significance, the 25th of March has a political significance as well, as on this day the independence of Greece is also celebrated. The significance of this is realized only when the suffering of four centuries is called to mind. In 1458, the Ottomans overran all of Greece and most of the Balkans. Hopelessly outnumbered, Greece endured nearly 400 years of oppression, but the spirit of its people was never weakened the fires of rebellion that the turks thought they had snuffed out but which smouldered in hellenic hearts for almost four hundred years were kindled into an inferno on the twenty fifth of march eighteen twenty two not by a military official but by a cleric Bishop Yermanos of Patras, who chose that day, the day of the Annunciation, knowing God would be on the side of the Greeks. Bishop Yermanos held the cross of Jesus Christ and proclaimed freedom for all Greek Orthodox Christians. In addition to engaging in a war for independence, the Greeks were actually waging a holy war because it was not only Greek against Turk, but Christian against Muslim. And the subsequent Greek victory was a triumph of Christianity.
1: Σήμερα ο Τι
0: joined us, welcome to the Holy Metropolis of New Zealand's Christian Orthodox Radio programme on Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM. I'm Katalota Ekonomo and I'd like to remind you that you can listen to this and previous programmes at your convenience anytime that suits you through the Access Radio website at www.accessradio.org dot org.nz. click onto the religion and spirituality link and then scroll down to the greek orthodox holy metropolis of new zealand section it's now time for question for the priest and father Melatios, priest monk and abbot from our monastery in levin will answer the question is confession an ancient sacrament of the church or is it something new
2: Holy Confession was a rite that was familiar even during the times of the Old Testament. We are reading in the book of Leviticus. When anyone is guilty in any of these ways, he must confess in what way he has sinned, and as a penalty for the sin he has committed, he must bring to the Lord a female lamb or a goat from the flock as a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement of him for his sin. In the book of Numbers, the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, When a man or a woman wrongs another in any way, and so is unfaithful to the Lord, the person is guilty and must confess the sin he has committed. He must make full restitution for his wrong, add on fifth to it, and give it all to the person he has wronged. The book of Proverbs, He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confess and renounce them finds mercy. This was the reason that the crowds swarmed to John the Baptist and confessed their sins after which he would certify their repentance through baptism. In the New Testament we are finding in the Gospel according to Matthew, people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River, according to Mark. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. This rite was also continued by the Christian Church, as we can see it recorded in the Acts of the Apostles. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. This resulted in the forgiveness of sins by the Apostles in conformance with the promise of the Lord that He would give the Apostles this authority. In the Gospel according to Matthew, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Again Matthew, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. This promise was fulfilled after Christ was resurrected. Naturally this forgiveness of sins did not lay in the apostles' powers, but in the blood of the Lord. Gospel according to John Again Jesus said, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The First Epistle of John But if we walk in the light, and He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. During the Sacrament of Confession the, the priest intercedes as an instrument, a servant of Christ, and a steward of God's sacraments." The First Epistle to Corinthians So then man ought to regard us as servants of Christ, and as those entrusted with the sacraments of God. Apostle Paul is writing to Titus. Since an overseer episkop, a bishop, is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Again the Epistle of John. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. Also this, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and do not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. During the time of the ancient church, confession took place in public, in the sacred congregations of the faithful, which were naturally attended by the priesthood, but also by the bishop who was the one empowered to give absolution. We can find in the writings from the first centuries confirmation of this practice. All who repent are forgiven by the Lord, provided they repent in a unity of God and in a convention of a bishop as St. Ignatius has characteristically specified. While in his work teaching, he urges, confess your trespasses in the presence of the Church and do not come to prayers with a mischievous conscience. This is the path of life. St. Kyprianos stresses that a sinner is re-accepted into the ecclesiastical community, in the other words, in the sacrament of the Divine Eucharist, by delaying on of the hands of the bishop and the priesthood after first having confessed his sins. Furthermore, Holy Communion is not administered to anyone unless the bishop and the priesthood have previously placed their hands on that person, as the absolution that is given through a priest is pleasing to God. Oregon looks upon it as a natural follow-up that is, in the accordance with the practice of the one who established the sacrament of priesthood within the Church, for the ministers and the priests of the Church to similarly undertake the sins of the people and in emulation of the Master to grant them the absolution of their sins. Oregon in his homily on Leviticus Basil the Great refers to confession during the Apostolic Church and concludes that it is necessary to confess our sins to those who have been entrusted with the stewardship of God's sacraments, because the first Christians used to confess to the Apostles who also baptized everyone. John the Chrysostom says of the priesthood, Even though they inhabit and still walk the earth, they have nevertheless undertaken the supervision of celestial affairs, with an authority that God did not give, either to the angels or the archangels. He indeed never said to the angels, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Yet the binding of priests reaches the very soul, and it traverses the heavens, and everything that the priests enact below God authorizes from above. The Master upholds the decision of the servants. Did He not give them full celestial authority? He said to them, Whosoever sins you may withhold, they shall be withheld. As we can see, the Orthodox Church continues to this day the proto-Christian tradition of confession in the presence of a spiritual father.
0: It's now time for Father Thaddeus to speak to us in Greek and today he will t- continue on from last week's topic of confession.
3: Agapitimo Christiani χριστιανοί, χαίρετε Με τη χάρη του Αγίου Θεού είμαστε και πάλι σήμερα μαζί, Δευτέρα Κυριακή των Ιστιών, κάτι την οποία η Αγία μα Εκκλησία μνημονεύει τον Άγιο Γρηγόριο τον Παλαμά, αρχιεπίσκοπο Θεσσαλονίκη. Όπω και την προηγούμενη εβδομάδα μιλήσαμε για το μυστήριο τη μετανία και εξομολογήσεω, το θα κάνουμε και σήμερα. Συνεχίζοντα λοιπόν, θα ήθελα πολύ απλά και σύντομα να υπενθυμίσω τι προποθέσει που χρειάζονται για να εισέλθει κανεί στο ιερό μυστήριο τη εξομολόγηση. Καταρχήν, θα πρέπει να έχει το γνώθη αυτόν, που σημαίνει θα πρέπει κανεί να έχει αυτογνωσία, να γνωρίζει τον εαυτό του, να αποδέχεται ότι είναι άρρωστο πνευματικά και ότι έχει ανάγκη πνευματικού ιατρού. Θα πρέπει να αναγνωρίζει τα πάθη, τα το σφάλματά του, τι αδυναμίε του και πω μόνο με τη βοήθεια και συνεργασία σωστού, έμπειρου και προτίστως θεραπευμένου, ικανού ιατρού και πνευματικού οδηγού, μπορεί να ξεριζώσει τι κακέ συνήθειε, αμαρτίε και αρρώστιε ψυχή. Που του έχουν γίνει φυσική κατάσταση με τελικό σκοπό την θεραπεία του και τον αγιασμό τη ψυχή. Με λίγα λόγια χρειάζεται ειλικρινή μετάνοια. Δηλαδή, όπω προείπαμε και σε άλλη εκπομπή, χρειάζεται αλλαγή τρόπου ζωή. Λέω ο μετανοημένο άνθρωπο δεν γυρίζει πίσω στην παλιά του ζωή. Ουδή επιβαλών την χείρα αυτού επάρωτρων και βλέποντα τα οπίσω, έφθετο σε στήνη στην βασιλεία του Θεού, μα λέει ο κύριο. Κανεί που έβαλε το χέρι πάνω σε άρωτρο και βλέπει προ τα πίσω δεν είναι κατάλληλο για τη βασιλεία του Θεού αλλά προχωρά μόνο μπροστά ατινίζοντα το αληθινό φω και την μοναδική αλήθεια που είναι μόνο ο Χριστό, ο μόνος ιατρός των ψυχών και των σωμάτων. Και γιατί λέγεται ιατρός των ψυχών και των σωμάτων, διότι ο ίδιος χαρακτήρισε την αμαρτία ω ασθένεια και τον εαυτό του ω ιατρό, όταν απαντώντα σε εκείνους που τον κατηγορούσαν ότι επισκέπτεται τους αμαρτωλούς, είπε: Δεν έχουν ανάγκη οι υγιείς από ιατρό, αλλά οι ασθενείς. Δεν να καλέσω σε μετάνεια τους δικαίους, αλλά τους αμαρτωλούς. Ναι, αδελφοί μου, γι' αυτό χρειαζόμαστε το πνευματικό θεραπευτήριο που λέγεται Ορθόδοξη Εκκλησία, αλλά και τους ιερείς της. Όχι μόνο το κτίριο, αλλά και τα μυστήρια που επιτελούνται από τους πνευματικούς ιατρούς της. Δεν αρκεί να πάει κανείς μόνο μια βόλτα σε κάποιο νοσοκομείο για να γίνει καλά, αλλά θα πρέπει να επισκεφθεί και κάποιον γιατρό και να του εξομολογηθεί το πρόβλημά του. Όπως το ακούσατε, να εξομολογηθεί. Να βγάλει από μέσα του αυτά που νιώθει, τον πόνο του και τι διάφορε σκέψει που έχει μέσα στο μυαλό του, και οτιδήποτε άλλο του συνέβη στο παρελθόν με όσο το δυνατόν περισσότερες λεπτομέρειες και πληροφορίες, ούτω ώστε ο γιατρός να έχει την καλύτερη, πλήρη εικόνα για την κατάσταση του ασθενούς ανθρώπου και με τη βοήθεια της ιατρικής εμπειρίας και τεχνολογίας να βρεθεί από τι είδους ασθένεια πάσχει ο άρρωστος και να δοθεί κατάλληλη θεραπεία. Ο γιατρός δεν είναι δικαστής και εισαγγελέας ώστε να αρχίσει την ανάκριση και να απευθύνει διάφορες κατηγορίες στον ασθενή, όπως Γιατί δεν πρόσεχες, Δεν το ήξερε πιο μπροστά. Δεν ακούστηκε τι λένε οι γιατροί και οι επιστήμονε για την υγεία του σώματο. Όχι, αδερφή μου. Βρίσκεται εκεί μόνο και μόνο για να βοηθήσει τον ασθενή να ξαναβρει την υγεία του. Το ίδιο ακριβώ κάνει και θα πρέπει να κάνει ο πνευματικός ιατρός. Που όπως είπαμε πρέπει ο ίδιο να είναι πρώτα θεραπευμένος, όσο είναι δυνατόν, για να μπορεί να θεραπεύσει και τους άλλου. Ξέρετε τι λέει ο Ιερός Χρυσόστομο για την Εκκλησία. Εδώ είναι Ιατρίο και όχι Δικαστήριο. Η Ιατρείο που δεν ζητά ευθύνης για τα αμαρτήματα, αλλά δίνει συγχώρηση των αμαρτιμάτων. Και ο Άγιος Νικόδημος ο Αγιορίτης τι μας λέει. Η Εκκλησία είναι ένα κοινό ιατρείο όπου ιατρεύει όλους τους αμαρτωλούς που πληγώνονται νοητός από τον διάβολο. Και παρακάτω, ο οίκος αυτός είναι ιατρείο πνευματικό για να θεραπεύσουμε τα τραύματα που δεχόμαστε έξω από αυτό. Βέβαια ίσως κάποιοι να αναορτηθούν και να πούν. Ναι. Τα δεχόμαστε όλα αυτά που λέει η Εκκλησία μας και οι Άγιοι Πατέρες για το Μυστήριο της Εξομολόγησης και μας φαίνονται πολύ ορθά και λογικά, αλλά πάλι επιμένουμε στο εξής. Είναι όντως υποχρεωτικό το μυστήριο, πρέπει οπωσδήποτε να περάσει κανείς μέσα από αυτό. Η απάντηση είναι πολύ απλή και την δώσαμε στην προηγούμενη εκπομπή. Από τη στιγμή που δίνει την εξουσία της αφαίσεως των αμαρτιών ο ίδιος ο Χριστός στους μαθητές του και έπειτα σε όλους τους συνεχιστές των Αγίων Αποστόλων διαδοχικά μέχρι και σήμερα, Είναι αυτονόητο και δεν υπάρχει καμία αμφιβολία ότι είναι υποχρεωτικό και απαραίτητο. Μετά την Ανάστασή του κατέστησε τους μαθητές του επίσημα διαδόχους και συνεχιστές του έργου του. «Καθώς απέσταλ και με ο πατήρ καγό πέμπο ημάς» και τούτο υπόν εν και λέγει αυτής «Λάβετε πνεύμα Άγιον, αν την ον τα τας αμαρτίας αυτής, αν την κρατείτε και κράτηνται». Είναι πολύ απλά τα πράγματα. Ας προσθέσω και κάτι ακόμη για να γίνει ακόμη πιο κατανοητό. Μήπως θυμάστε την περίπτωση του παραλυτικού της Καπερναούμ Τι είπε ο Χριστός μας στον παραλυτικό, βλέποντας και θαυμάζοντας την πίστη αυτών που τον κουβαλούσαν. Και ειδώνω Ιησούς στην πίστη αυτών, είπε το παραλυτικό. «Θάρσι τέκνον, αφέοντας ή αμαρτίες σου. Καταλάβατε τι έγινε. Δεν τον θεράπευσε στο σώμα, αλλά στην ψυχή. Έδωσε προτεραιότητα στην θεραπεία τη ψυχή και όχι του σώματος, Άσχετα εάν τον θεράπευσε έπειτα και στο σώμα, λόγω των πονηρών γραμματέων. Α δούμε όμω τι λέει και στην παλαιά διαθήκη ο προφήτη Δαβίδ, απευθυνόμενο στον Θεό, για να δείτε ότι ανάγκη από θεραπεία και άφησε αμαρτιών δεν έχουμε μόνο εμεί οι μεταχρηστών, αλλά και οι πρόχρηστου. Ήρθε την ψυχή μου ότι η Μαρτόνση. Νομίζω πω είναι γνωστό σε όλου μα ο λόγο του προφήτη Δαβίδ, τον ακούμε κάθε Κυριακή στην μεγάλη δοξολογία πριν από την θεία λειτουργία. Τι ζητάει από τον Θεό. Την ίαση της ψυχής του και όχι του σώματος. Το ίδιο θα πρέπει να κάνουμε και εμείς αδελφοί μου, να ζητάμε την ίαση της ψυχής μας καθημερινά από τον Θεό και την άφηση των αμαρτιών από τον πνευματικό μας Πατέρα, εάν θέλουμε όντως να γίνουμε γνήσια παιδιά και κληρονόμοι της Βασιλείας του Θεού, στον οποίο πρέπει πάσα δόξα, τιμή και προσκύνηση. Αμήν. Αυτά για σήμερα αγαπητοί μου χριστιανοί. Πρώτο ο Θεός, θα συνεχίσουμε την επόμενη εβδομάδα. Καλών αγώνα. Let my prayer...
0: Today's Gospel is from Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. At that time Jesus entered Capernaum, and it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together, so that there was no longer room for them, not even about the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they laid down the pallet on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak thus? It is a blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question thus in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your pallet, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your pallet and go home. And he rose and immediately took up the pallet and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. I'd like now to welcome Father Pavlos onto the program, and he will explain today's gospel reading to us. And as always, he joins us by phone.
4: Agapitimo Christiani, Sas milo pali to programma tis Beloved listeners, this is Father Paul Petites speaking to you again, and we have now entered into the second Sunday of Lent. And we are hearing today the traditional gospel of the second Sunday of St. Lent. And you just heard it read. And you heard about this man who was very ill and paralyzed. And how he needed to be healed. And who was going to help him. But he had four friends. The to evangelio slovengelio, akumes evangelio. Όχι παραβολή αλλά μια ιστορία αληθινή, πραγματική ιστορία δηλαδή και ένας άνθρωπος που ήταν παράλυτος και ήθελε να λάβει την υγεία από τον Θεό, από τον Ιησού Χριστού και πώς να το λάβει αφόσον δεν μπορεί να περπατήξει. Αλλά έχει, έχει τέσσερις φίλους που με μεγάλη πίστη τον του κοντά στο Χριστό here in this gospel that this man who had a desire to be healed had no one to bring him in front of Christ and Christ was in the home of one of the people in Capernaum uh, and there all the people gathered to be with Jesus Christ And, um, and this man, how could he get there? Four of his friends four faithful friends carried him to be to Jesus, to be with Jesus Και όταν φτάσανε στον νίκο, είδαν ότι ήταν γεμάτο από ανθρώπους και δεν μπορούσαν να πάνε μέσα. Ήταν αδύνατο. Αλλά τι σκεφτήκανε. Θα βά... βγάλουμε τη σκεύη και από εκεί θα αφήσουμε τον άνθρωπο να περάσει από τη σκεύη. Και έτσι θα στέκεται μπροστά το Χριστό. They looked around, they thought how και πιθανε going θα get αυτόν τον άνθρωπο να in front of Christ? Χριστό. Και said to themselves we'll remove the roof. Now, of course, a roof is an important thing. It's there to protect us from the elements. And we don't generally think of the roof as something to remove. But they were thinking differently. I guess you could say they were thinking outside of the box because they removed the top of the box of the home so they could bring their friend and place him before the feet of Jesus. And, of course, they had to do that by lowering him very, very carefully and in a coordinated fashion, on ropes. And it took great courage, even for this paralyzed man. How does he know that the one isn't going to let the rope down a little faster than the other, and he'll tumble outside of the of the uh, stretcher on which he's lying, and lay in a heap on the floor? But that wasn't his concern. His concern was he wanted to be healed, and he said, oh, whatever it takes, even if I have to fall in a heap on the floor, I'm going to do whatever it takes Και οι φίλοι αυτοί είδαν ότι το σπίτι ήταν γεμάτο από κόσμο και είπαν τα βγάλουμε τη σκεύη και τον περάσαν από τη σκεύη και με με, με ροπ φαινετε, ότι τον, με σκηνέ τον αφήσανε κάτω σιγά 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 μέχρι να, να είναι μπροστά στα πόδια του Χριστού. Και ο Χριστός βλέπει τον άνθρωπο και τον λέει τέκνον αθέοντεσοι My son, your sins are forgiven you. Christ sees the man lowered in front of him and seeing the faith of these friends. It says, seeing their faith. Now, I suppose also seeing the faith of the man. But the word there is very clear in Greek. Seeing their faith. In other words, not a singular faith, but the faith of all of them. He says, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, that story could have ended there. That would be plenty. You might say, well, that's not enough. The man needs to be healed, after all. Isn't that why he came before the Lord? Well, to be honest with you, we don't know the reason he came before the Lord. It seems, if we trust that Jesus Christ is the knower of hearts, that he came before the Lord to be forgiven of his sins. After είναι πολύ σποδέο. Βλέπουμε ότι ο άνθρωπος αυτός έλαβε συγχώρηση των πτεσμάτων του. Και μπορούμε να λέμε ότι τώρα τελείωσε η ιστορία. Αλλά δεν τελειώνει εκεί. Γιατί δεν τελειώνει. Εμείς μπορούμε να σκεπτόμαστε ότι δεν τελειώνει γιατί δεν έλαβε την θεραπεία που ήθελε. Αλλά πώς ξέρουμε ότι ήθελε θεραπεία. Ίσως καλύτερα να ξέρουμε ότι ο Θεός, ο Χριστός που τον λέμε καρδιογνώστης, ήξερε ακριβώς τι ήθελε αυτός ο άνθρωπος. Αυτό που ήθελε ήταν όχι η ασύς του, σώμα, του σώματος, Wanted, that is, that is, that we, I think it's fair to, to surmise that Christ knew this man's heart and knew what he really needed and what he was really seeking. And of course, if we are thinking like the Pharisees, then we think that this man is uh, uh, coming for healing. But the Bible does not tell us that he's coming for healing. It's assumed, we assume it, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that he was let down in front of his four friends. And so Jesus does heal him. He heals him of his sins. I think that's important for us to know, dear listeners, that our Lord loves us so much he wants to remove from us those dark things which we call sins, the things that keep us from being full, healthy, whole human beings. Those things which keep us from being able to live with another person in peace. Those things which inspire us to do hurtful things toward other people and to wish evil things upon them. These are sins. Christ doesn't want us to be covered in sin. He wants us to be pure. The removal of the roof is a wonderful thing because it lets the light in. And we get to see the situation as it really is. And we see that Jesus Christ, when the roof came off, must have been bathed in light. And that man too, the paralytic, covered in light in that dark space. And Christ comes to bring us into the light. Now the Pharisees, they began to complain πως ο Χριστός μπορεί, πως ο Ιησούς να συγχωρέσει άνθρωπος από την αμαρτία του. Θεός μπορεί να κάνει αυτό. Now, in this situation we can say that the Pharisees are correct because they're complaining, how can this man forgive sins? Only God can do that. They are correct to say that only God can forgive sins, which is all the more important why we know that Christ did it. Because he is showing that he is God. That's a very important little piece of information there, don't you think? So Christ, knowing that he can't persuade them that he is God, he did what he did with complete and total love. He said, afiende My child, your sins are forgiven you. So if that expression of love didn't reach the hearts of the Pharisees, what could he show them? So he asks them a question, a rational question. Which do you think is harder, to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, take up your pallet and walk? Now, of course, the answer is, it's easier to say words, your sins are forgiven you. But he doesn't hear an answer from the Pharisees. They seem always at a loss for words when Christ asks him questions. Have you ever noticed that? Οι Φαρισαίοι όταν ο Χριστός τους ρωτάει κάτι δεν έχουν απάντηση ποτέ δεν ξέρουν τι να απαντήσουν. Γιατί φοβούνται ότι οι απάντησες θα δώσουν ο Χριστός θα τους δείξει, θα δείξει ότι είναι γεμάτο λάθη και δεν σκέφτονται καλά. So they don't answer anything. So Christ shows them that he has authority both to forgive sins and to raise a man up from his infirmity. And so he touches the man and says, I say to you, rise, take up your pallet, and go home. And the man did that. He got up. Now, we who are in the middle of Lent, we think to ourselves, how does this apply to us? Hopefully you've asked that question to yourself. How does that apply to me? Well, I want it first to apply to you with this very basic meaning. It's important to receive forgiveness of the sins from the priest. Don't think it's a nothing. Don't think that all your other problems are more important. This story should tell us that forgiveness of sins is more important even than being completely paralyzed, that quadriplegic as this man perhaps was. It's more important to receive forgiveness of sins. And that's what Christ came to bring to the world. After all, Christ didn't come to eliminate every sickness and every sorrow. He did much of that when he was on earth. But that wasn't his main purpose. His main purpose was to redeem the souls of man, to take us out of the grasp of sin, to set us free from the power of the devil, to restore us to our full and proper state. That was an expression of God's love for us. My brothers and sisters, now that you are in the thick of Lent, I ask you to contemplate this beautiful passage and know that God wants to heal you too. Yes, physically if, if that's what it's called for, but more importantly to heal you of your sin, to set you right with your fellow man, to set you right with God, to re to put a correct thought into your mind regarding your own self, that you treat yourself with respect as well. en Oreo doro. Na ελευθερωθούμε από τις αμαρτίες να έχουμε καλές σκέψεις με τον συνάνθρωπό μας με τον Θεό μας και βεβαίως με τον εαυτό μας και ο Θεός μπορεί να το δώσει όποιος θέλει μπορεί να λάβει αυτή τη συγχώρηση έλα στην Εκκλησία έλα στο πιταρχίλι του Ιερέα έλα να λάβετε αυτή τη μεγάλη ευλογία που έφερε ο Χριστός πάνω στη γη and with our own humble prayers For your blessed Lent, this is Father Paul Petitus greeting you and asking God's blessings on you and also your prayers.
0: Now, as we have done over most of the last few weeks, we will read a little about St. Nectarios, given that last year was the 100th anniversary of his repose, and our Metropolitan has asked that we try and speak a little about his life as often as we can. So, let's now pick up where we left off from the book Saint Nectarios of Aegina, the Saint of Our Century, by Sotos Kondoropoulos. Nectarios found himself on a ship sailing the waves of the Aegean again. He was now going to discover Athens, the ancient city of the academy and of the philosophers. It was a place with ages of history, but when naktarios arrived there it was just a town village a modern city in its birth he arrived at the port of pereas and all around him he could feel the presence of his guardian angel who was working through the well-known mr mess. his coming to the city was clearly the work of divine providence athens With his mind set on his high school studies and church attendance, time flew by. These priorities so preoccupied his existence that the noisy streets, the royal palace, the coffee shops, the porters and all that was consequential to city life passed him by like props and extra actors in a play, the play of life. During his years in Athens, he spent his free time in small religious gatherings with acquaintances and taking summer trips to Chios and back. When Nectarios finally received his diploma, his God-sent benefactor, who was satisfied with his achievements, sent him to Alexandria to meet his friend the patriarch. Nectarios found himself on a boat and travelling south once again. The only difference was that this boat was a colossal steamship, with a broad smokestack that emitted thick black clouds. Patriarch Sophronios was a well-respected elder approaching the age of 80. He had been the ecumenical patriarch in Constantinople for three years and managed to have a well-run administration. He was, however, pressured to resign from the patriarchal see due to the various shocking events of unrest that had then occurred in the Balkans. It was in 1870 that he took over the patriarchal throne of Alexandria. Considering his advanced age, he was able to achieve a great deal. The prevalent influence and domination of the English made Sophronios's path to advancement easy as soon as the patriarch met nachtarios he took a liking to him and made no secret of it this was true to the man's character for either he liked you in which case he would open his heart and arms to you as a father or he disliked you and no matter how much you tried he would not come around My son, you should go back to Athens and enrol in the university, he told him good-naturedly, after hearing his history with condescending interest. I will stand by your side and shall await your return. I shall give you a letter of recommendation to give the dean. Do not stray from the road you have made for yourself. Study, pray, and exercise, and your ultimate goal shall be blessed by the good Lord." Keep your distance from worldly people and false friends. Nectarios left Alexandria shortly thereafter, and when he arrived in Piraeus, he boarded another ship to Chios, where he would ask for permission to leave the monastery in order to study in Athens. Abbot Nikiforos received him as warmly as a father receive, receives his son. The abbot was an austere and righteous man, and having been informed of the particulars of Nectarios' situation, he was in full agreement with the patriarch's decision. The paper he gave Nectarios, which officially granted him leave from the monastery, read, Permission is hereby granted to the deacon Nectarios Gephalas, brother of Naamoni, to proceed to Athens to continue his education in the university. We recommend him to the priests as a devout, moral and virtuous person. Throughout his life, Nectarios never lost that paper and always carried it with him in his suitcase. Divine fate brought him to the formerly glorious ancient city of Athens once again, although this time of his life was so exciting and promising. An unfortunate event, set somewhat of a damper on his enthusiasm. His personal benefactor, John Horemis, fell asleep in the Lord and departed from this vain world. The death of Mr. Horemis hurt him very dearly. He thought of how gracious and generous a man he was, and it hurt him that he would not see him again on this earth. John Horemis was a son of the motherland and a son of the church. Nectarios would never forget the night that he learned of his death. He went up to the mountain of Ligavitos with its pan- panoramic view of all of Athens, entered one of its churches, and spent the entire night in prayer for the repose of the soul of the servant of the Lord John. However, once again the good Lord who loves all his children, both the just and unjust, did not forsake him. Afraid that he would have to ask for assistance from Patriarch Sophronios for his many needs, he mustered up the courage to take the school dean's examination, which won him a scholarship. The Papadikiao bequest awarded him 100 drachmas a month, and he was now able to continue his education. Greece has a long history of traditional Orthodox piety. During his studies, Nectarios tried to learn about this so that he could better understand the spirit of the people of this newly freed motherland. However, what he found was abundant confusion in the people and in the church. The new Bavarian king's court and foreign influences corrupted the traditional Orthodox values. This confusion, greatly affected the priests who struggled to lead the nation in its newly found freedom, just as they had during the hard years of Turkish oppression. Now, however, their values were steadily becoming more secular. The priesthood had become, in fact, nothing more than a routine vocation with many despots. The laity, In its instinctive wisdom was aware of this, but could do nothing since it was bound by politicians, scholars and demagogues. So it turned satirical towards everything, including the church. Indeed, what a sad state of affairs it is when the people mock their religious leaders. Amidst all this confusion, it was very difficult to earn a living of any kind in those days in Athens. Since Nactharios was one to deprive himself for others, he often found himself hungry. All around him people were devastated from need, and since they were his spiritual brothers and sisters, for whom the Lord Jesus, the Holy Logos, had died, he could not help but give them however much he could, whenever he could. There was one heartbreaking incident when Nectarios came upon a young woman from a suburb who had not only recently become widowed but lost her only child as well in desperation she had taken to the streets barefoot looking for help from someone somewhere pain sadness and bitterness were etched on her face and she was alone in the world Nectarios tried, with much difficulty, to convince some of his fellow students to give up some of their own food, so that they could help her and bring her in. It is the will of the Lord, my colleagues, the will of God, he urged them. Is it indeed the will of God for me to endanger my health and to deprive myself to the point of hunger, so that I can eliminate the misery of one mustard seed from all the endless misery around us? someone dared to object, someone who later went on to become a metropolitan. Naktarios was temporarily dumbfounded, but collected his thoughts and continued, Our personal spiritual desire, my brother, should be to open ourselves to anything that will help us fulfil our earthly responsibility. The other asked him, Are our ambitions to become teachers of a holy science divinely inspired, Of course they are, replied Nectarios. Hmm, I am not sure of that. I believe that the goal we are trying to achieve and the road we have decided to pursue has been decided solely by us and our desires. He wondered if the conversation had brought any good at all to the gathering of students whose faith was obviously still weak. That's all that we've got time to read today but God willing we can continue reading from this book again next week. So as we're nearing the end of our time together we'd like to thank you for listening to the Holy Metropolis of New Zealand's Christian Orthodox radio broadcast on Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM and I hope that you'll join us again next Sunday. I'd like to thank all our fathers for the inspiration and help we get from them, and a special thanks today to Fathers Pavlos, Meleteos and Thadeos. We would like to wish all our listeners a blessed Lent with much enlightenment and repentance. We look forward to seeing you soon, and may our beloved Christos and Panagia bless and protect us all.